Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. Today is a big day, as this marks the first ever episode of our new weekly review show. I'm very excited to start this. Uh, But before we get into that, let's start off by getting you guys familiar with how this will work and how the format will go. First, each week I will drop an episode on Sunday. This one's going to be coming late, guys, so I apologize for that. Uh, And I will be talking about all the films I have access to that have just come out that week. Uh, It's going to be hard to get to everything, but I will certainly try my hardest. Uh, Second, these reviews will be non-spoiler, but... Every so often, if I feel the need to get into spoilers to better convey how I feel about something, I will get into them at the end of the review, and I will have them timestamped in the description. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to avoid the spoilers, you have the ability to skip ahead and move on to the next review. Uh, You can always come back and listen to it too. Third, I will usually be doing these solo, but every so often I will be joined by a guest. I'm very excited for who that might be in the future. And lastly, this will usually be for movies, but if I happen to be interested in a TV show that has just aired its season or series finale, I will get into that as well, and those will be spoiler reviews. So I'm going to just get right into the spoilers for those. Um, TV I consider to be a little different from movies in the sense that because it's playing out in real time, and if you're listening to a review of a TV show, I'm just gonna going to assume you have already seen it and just want to, you know, my take on it. If you have, you know, if you want to avoid spoilers, avoid the TV discussions altogether. Again, I'll have what those are at the beginning of the episode, so you know to avoid that conversation. All right, with that out of the way, here's a list of the movies and the one TV show we will be reviewing this week. Coming to America 2, Boss Level, Raya and the Last Dragon, and lastly, we will be talking about my full thoughts, spoiler-filled and everything, on WandaVision in the season finale. Uh, so this is kind of a packed show this week. It's the first one, so I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that it's actually packed. It gives, a, gives us a lot to discuss. So let's go ahead and get started with Coming to America 2. This is, of course, the long-awaited sequel to the 1988 comedy classic starring the legendary Eddie Murphy. And this sequel reunites him with Arsenio Hall as they embark on a journey to find the next male heir to the throne of Zamunda, which brings him back to Queens, New York, where it all began. Firstly, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of Eddie Murphy. He is like a comedy legend. Films like Nutty Professor, Life, 48 Hours, and of course Beverly Hills Cop will always live on in, in, in legend amongst film fans and just general public too. I mean, you talk to just about anyone my age and they've seen all these movies, let a, not even mentioning Shrek. Um, over the years though, he hasn't really had a big hit critically and it has really hurt his star power. But nothing can really change the fact that he is a legend of comedy and is, in fact, an Oscar-nominated actor. Uh, Many still argue that he should have won the Oscar in 2006, or for the year 2006, in the 2007 ceremony, uh, when he was nominated for, I think, Dreamgirls. Uh, Last year, though, he gave 
us a little hope with a film called Dolomite Is My Name, a film that really swept me up and with its just gigantic heart. Uh, uh, I love that movie, which it showcased all the things that make Eddie Murphy who he is. Um, Coming to America 2 reunites him with the same director of Dolomite Is My Name, Craig Brewer, to see if they can really, you know, recapture the magic they did with Dolomite and see if they can live up to the hype of the first coming to America, which is a classic to to many. Was it successful? Mm, Not as well as I would hope, unfortunately. That's not to say that there are not some bright spots here. The, The barbershop sequences, while being limited, are quite funny. Arsenio Hall is just as hilarious. He is freaking just... He steals every every scene he's in in this movie. Um, and Jermaine uh, Fowler is pretty charismatic, uh, too, as uh, uh, Lavelle, the potential new king. Uh, in particular, the scene uh, in the beginning where he's being interviewed for a potential job. I won't get into what is said in that interview, but it's, it's real funny. Um, and there, there, there's a few cameos... Uh, of a few recognizable characters from the original and celebrities that do work well. Also, the message of the film of, you know, being your own person, making your own decisions for yourself and all those decisions that make you happy and and standing up for what you believe in. And, of course, the, the, the timely message of rulers not always having to be this quintessential male figure, but just someone who's best at the job regardless of sex that being said this movie unfortunately follows a pattern that many comedy sequels have over the past few years especially the ones where they've they've come out a little too late uh it's highly repetitive of the original and that's often to its detriment uh, even down to the timing of the jokes and unfortunately for this movie not all the jokes really land as hard as they should you know i kind of you know have this rule with comedies where the script can be bad, but if you make me laugh, you make me laugh. That's what a comedy is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you laugh. Same thing with like a horror movie. Script can be bad. Performances can be bad. But if the movie's frightening or scary, then I'll probably recommend it. This, unfortunately, just, you know, surprisingly, I didn't laugh as much out loud. I chuckled a few times. And I laughed out loud, you know, maybe once or twice, but it wasn't often. Uh, unfortunately, it's you know pretty paint by numbers too when it comes to the themes that I wish it had you know dove a little bit you know a little bit more into. Uh, in particular, the theme of having a female ruler. Uh, if you were a fan of the original like myself, I recommend checking it out. You know, sometime down the road to see what you think about it because ultimately movies are subjective, and you have to make up your opinion for yourself. But I wouldn't rush to see it. Uh, unfortunately, this gets a C from me. So, wouldn't rush out to see that one. However, there is another movie that I definitely would rush out to see. And that's a movie called Boss Level. Uh, this is a film directed by Joe Carnahan and stars Frank Grillo, Mel Gibson, and Naomi Watts. This film follows the latest big trend that has sort of become its own genre and what I'm calling the Groundhog Day genre. <laughs> the, the, the film follows uh, Roy Pulver, played by Frank Grillo, who finds himself in a never-ending time loop on the day he dies and must find out why this has happened to him and stop this squad of hitmen who always manage to take him out before he's able 
to figure out what the heck is going on. Uh, I'm a fan of Joe Carnahan's work. Uh, 2010's uh, A-Team, I think, is super underrated. And 2011's The Grey is a powerful film about the will to live. Absolutely love that movie. He's always able to pull off you know, this very high-octane, very violent, visceral action within his movies that just make them super entertaining and creative, for that matter. I'm also a, a fan of Frank Grillo, who has popped up in a bunch of stuff over the years, whether it's, you know, the Captain America Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, he's also in Endgame. Um, the Purge movies, I think he's in two of those. And a personal favorite of mine, Warrior, which, if you know anything about me, you know how much I love that movie, and that's like my favorite sports movie ever made. Boss Level puts Frank Grillo center stage um, of this genre-blending movie but does it work absolutely it does (laughs) this movie's awesome uh boss level is ridiculously fun action-packed it's this ridiculously fun and action-packed ride that just you know keeps you engaged from start to finish or at least it kept me engaged from start to finish frank grillo commands a screen with charisma as our hero he this movie relies heavily on him and his performance, and he proves that he is probably the most underrated action star working today. He handles the action, you know. He has the comedic chops. He's very charismatic. He's very charismatic, and he's able to pull off the surprising amount of heart that is that is laced within this movie. Uh, Joe Carnahan also brings this like. He, he he brings it by you know taking a concept that has become popular to 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 use and keeps it fresh by making it feel like I was watching someone play a video game as our main hero acquires new skills as he gets further and fur- further along throughout this day of of repeating itself. Uh, it really puts out or it really plays out, I should say. Uh, like a like a video game, like a great video game movie. But not all video game movies are great. But this one, however, takes a concept of a video game movie and just makes it super entertaining. Um, the action is stylistic, fun, and and super violent. Also, being like I said before, this movie is insanely creative. Mel Gibson also delivers a a great performance as our main baddie. Although he he's not really in it much. He doesn't have a lot to do, but when he is in it, he makes he makes do with what he has. The thing to me, though, that stands out about this movie is, again, the heart. It's not just, you know, a mindless action movie the entire time. It has a true message to, to the film that really pulled at my heartstrings and, and makes the, the action worthwhile and adds layers to the character of Roy as he goes along and learns lessons he learns in this movie. That being said, the movie, it's its not perfect. The middle of the film hits some lulls. And the runtime, because movies like this, no pun intended, they're repetitive. Uh, so usually the shorter the better. This movie does kind of outwarm its welcome a little bit. But not too much. Not by too much at all. And the very ending left me a little unsatisfied. Um, but that's still not enough for me not to recommend this movie. Boss Level takes a genre that is on a boom right now 
and makes it very unique, very original, and ultimately just a kick-ass ride with a good amount of heart infused as well. Uh, boss level is indeed a boss. Uh, I give this movie a solid, solid B+. Moving on to our next film, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, this is the latest film to come from the legendary uh, Disney animation. Uh, I don't have to get too much into who Disney animation is. I, I think their, their storied history is well documented and, and known. But ever since 2009, they have really, they, they've been on a huge roll. Um, in my opinion, that it, it, I don't know if it's as good, but it certainly ravels, ravels, rivals the 1990s era with films like Princess and the Frog, uh, the Frozen franchise, Zootopia, and movies that I myself consider to be gems like Tangled, Moana, Moana especially, love Moana, and Big Hero 6. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon takes place in the fictional world of Kamandra, where humans and dragons live together in a united and peaceful world. However, when that world is threatened by a sinister uh, group of monsters known as the Droon, the dragons sacrifice themselves to save the world. Flash forward 500 years later, and those same monsters return to a divided world, and it is up to a warrior named Raya to track down the last dragon and stop the Droon once and for all. Now, to give a little bit of backstory on this film, the, the original directors and, and voice actors or voice actress was replaced on this film. That doesn't always mean it's going to be bad, but sometimes it can lead to an uneven mess when you have two different directors trying to make the same movie. Directors Carlos uh, uh, Lopez Estrada, who directed the critically acclaimed Blind Spotting, which is fantastic, and Don Hall, who directed Big Hero 6 and was a co-director of Moana, would go on to step in and direct the project. Um, like I said earlier, the main voice actress uh, was replaced, but she was replaced by Kelly Marie Tran of, of, of Star Wars fame. With all that drama, does this pull does disney pull out another classic um and that's kind of what my thoughts were going into this movie is you know will they be able to pull this off and yes they 100 do raya and the last dragon is a beautifully animated film that doesn't play out like your your typical disney movie this isn't you know another disney musical about princesses uh or a princess finding her worth and going on a journey of self-discovery this is an adventure film about a world torn apart by blame, shame, and doubt. The journey that Raya goes on is one of learning to trust, heal, forgive, and unite. You know, which is, it's a message that I, I truly believe makes this movie stand out among the rest. You know, speaking of, uh, of Raya... Kelly Marie Tran gives a fantastic performance as Raya. She truly captures the spirit of a warrior and is just magnificent. Uh, I'd be remiss if I also didn't mention the amazing voice acting performance from Aquafina as, as our main dragon. She is hilarious, charismatic, and above all else, gives the movie the emotional core that it needs. Um, I mentioned before, I mentioned adventure before, but for real, the action is absolutely fantastic. 
And with the gorgeous animation to boot, it just makes everything that much better. Seriously, I can't think of one bad thing to say about this movie. It's a heartfelt adventure with a really great message that was beautifully done. Uh, this gets an A from me. I, I really recommend this movie. It's very, very terrific. If you have young ones, especially, this is a very, very entertaining movie. It's very good. Adults can enjoy it just as good as kids. It's a great movie. Uh, and moving on to what I think has probably been the most talked about thing on the internet this this, this weekend. WandaVision. Uh, this, of course, is directed by uh, Matt uh, Shakeman and stars Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany as Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch and Vision. And this is Marvel's first foray into like the television world. Look, I know, there's been other stuff like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the, uh, what was that other one, the Inhumans, and the Marvel's Netflix shows, but those are very, very, you know, loosely connected. They're not as connected as this one. This actually has a lot of the main players from the movies within it. So it's very much connected. Um, and we pick up with our beloved characters as they live out what seems to be, you know, a fantasy of, of old sitcom TV shows. But soon things start to seem a bit sinister. And Vision begins to suspect that not everything is as it seems. So firstly, I wanted to say this. I... I'm a I'm a huge fan of the MCU, and I have been since it started back in twenty uh, or two thousand eight. Uh, they are without a doubt the most dominant franchise doing it right now. And if you want my full thoughts on the Infinity Saga, which is phases one, two, and three, I'm currently doing the series right now. I'm about to do Incredible Hulk here in a few days. Very excited. It's going to be dropping a little late. I apologize about that, but better late than never. Uh, but after the huge success that was the Infinity Saga, they are now starting to branch out into the television world of, of streaming to further enrich the storytelling formula they have already been doing, and that's really connecting all the future films together and all these new TV shows that they have coming out will also connect to the future films and kind of start their own little trilogies amongst themselves, it seems like. Because uh, WandaVision is kind of the start of a multi-screen event that will continue with Spider-Man No Way Home and culminate with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This show started out slow, but that's what made it very captivating to me. It was very original, emotional, and did an excellent job exploring grief and what that does to a person and how a person handles it, sometimes for good and for bad. Uh, those themes made it pretty powerful and really unlike anything Marvel has ever done. Of course, with that being said, um, or it, it, of course, with this being you know the lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, there was a lot of expectations that were set um that really intensified once evan peters who played quicksilver in the x-men movies who was a fan favorite showed up with all the expectations and the wonderful exploration of grief that the show did at the start 
does it stick the landing? Ultimately, I, I fall on the side of not quite, but almost. This is not to take away from the things that work very well in this show. You know, Elizabeth Olsen and, and Paul Bettany are fantastic, and they give the best performance that they've been given in these roles. They, they are absolutely terrific. The style of the first couple episodes is, is fun, creepy, and very intriguing. Uh, Catherine Hahn is also, who, by the way, isn't Catherine Hahn just amazing? She's freaking awesome. She gives a legendary comedic performance in Step Brothers. That that thing that performance is god tier comedic performance right there. Um, she is electric as Agnes, otherwise known as Agatha Harkness, aka Agatha New, or it was Agatha all along, which doesn't really make sense once you get to the end. Anyway, the emotional beats also work out pretty great. Uh, within the show, and at many moments, I found myself getting, you know, that lump in your throat right before you tear up. <laughs> I, I had it multiple times. Um, also, uh, Tiona Paris was amazing as Monica Rambeau, and I can't wait to see her down the line as the hero of Photon, because she was, she was probably the, my favorite part of this show she was absolutely terrific having said all that though let's start to to move on to the things that, that didn't necessarily work for me um most of which has to deal with the finale uh it landed kind of with a big thud for me what was an intimate show about trauma and grief became nothing more than a superhero fight that lasted way too long uh, i was also disappointed in how marvel just they continue to dig their heels on this and that's the you know they proving that death doesn't really matter because vision's back now with his memories restored um although i did really enjoy that exchange between fake vision and real vision fission is what i'm calling him um now where he shows up again because he kind of just flies off uh, I don't know, but it does seem weird that as soon as he gets his memories back and he goes, I am the Vision, he flies off uh, with full memories intact and doesn't really stick around to help out Wanda, which is like, if he has his full memory, shouldn't he do that? But again, you have to let that play out because there is more to come. This is the first of three parts that's supposed to connect, so we'll see how that plays out in the end, but I was kind of, that, that left me scratching my head, but not too much in a bad way. But I just, I really do worry with the fake deaths because the lack of commitment to the character deaths really takes away from the effect a death can have uh, in a story and for a character involved in that death. And I hope this doesn't continue. I know it will because comic book characters are constantly killed off in the comics and then they come back and then they die again and then they come back. This is something that comic books have always done. I, I hope that in live action they start to steer away from that in the future, but we'll see. But my biggest thing that I have the most issue with is the dialogue exchange at the end between Monica and Wanda. So Wanda has been enslaving an entire town and has robbed them of their free will so she can live out her fantasy which again, the show does a, a good job of setting up setting up and you do feel sympathy toward her and she is tortured. 
But just because he feels sympathy toward her, just because she is tortured, does not give it a, a pass. It's not a free pass. You have to, like... I don't know. I, I feel like you have to, like, have some type of come-to-Jesus moment with that character. Those characters have to deal with those repercussions. And the response she gets from Monica is, they will never know how much you sacrificed after having to give up, you know, her her children and her, you know, vision, this reality that she herself made up that's not real. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That'll continue on. I'm, I'm not sure how it'll play out. But I'm sorry, that line just doesn't sit right with me. It takes away any blame or responsibility from the character and takes away a lot of the complexity that the show established for me. Again, this is just my opinion, but it just it took away pretty much all the uh, complexity the show had established and kind of just swept it under, under the rug as Wanda's you know experiment. Again, though, this will probably continue to play out, so I want to withhold my full judgment. But as of right now, I think this is the most egregious show, or egregious thing the show does. It's 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 bad. It's not just like it didn't work for me. No, for me, it's that's bad. That is bad writing. Um, again, though, we got to see how it plays out. The thing. That seems to have everyone upset at the moment, though, is something that I'm kind of indifferent toward, but I understand, is the Pietro uh, Maximoff reveal, a.k.a. the boner joke. Look, if I can play devil's advocate for a bit here, um, if someone wa- it wasn't a fan of this, then they just weren't a fan of it. There's no need to come up with excuses for why someone doesn't like this. You know, the same thing goes for if someone did enjoy this. If they really thought it was funny and it worked for them, then my God, let them enjoy it. You know, no need to be a Debbie Downer. But for for me personally, I thought it was an epic troll job that didn't really work or add much to the story except to get people excited who love that version of the character because that character doesn't really add much to the show. He really doesn't. Um, People love the Quicksilver, uh, that Quicksilver. Um, in particular so i understand why they would be bummed out or the people that didn't like didn't like it would be bummed out by the fact that it was reduced to and again in my opinion a, a bad joke um i have seen this compared to the mandarin twist in iron man 3 and i can see where people are coming from but to me that's a little different and the, the reason why is the mandarin while being one of iron man's you know main villains and was teased in iron man 1 it was just a tease and wasn't an established fan favorite character coming over from a different universe that has been, you know, purchased by Disney a, c- a couple years ago and eagerly awaited um, to see what Marvel's going to do. What adds to that is the fact that this is indeed the start of a multiverse series of films. So people really got their hopes up thinking that the Fox X Men characters were going to show up here. Which I never really thought they were gonna do, but you could under you have to at least understand that that's kind of how it felt like, or at least I do. Um, so again, I understand why some people felt that way that they did about it. Again, though, I would like to remind people that this is just the start. It could very well continue to work out that that way that he is that Pietro, uh, 
So for me personally, I wouldn't, you know, I'll be withholding full judgment until I see how it plays out. But you never know. You know, the story has to continue. It, you know, it's going to continue to play out. You have Spider-Man No Way Home. And then you have uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So it's going to continue to play out. And we'll see, you know, what happens from here. Keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. If, this doesn't, if chapter one doesn't work for you, chapter two might. Um, it just really depends, you know. Depends on what they do. So if this didn't work for you, keep an open mind. Who knows what will happen. Overall, though, WandaVision is... It, it's still good show. It's still a good show. That while being more intriguing than good for me, still packs a few knockout punches with some great performances, emotional moments, and is wonderfully unique, even if the last episode lands on a big thud. Um, I want to see Marvel continue to switch things up and, and take risk. And like I said, I look forward to, to continue to seeing how this plays out. Ultimately, though, I'm gonna fall on this and give it a a a, C, a, a B minus. I think for me, uh, again, overall enjoyed it, but I do think I was more intrigued by it than I actually liked it. Oh, now that I got that all out of the way, that is it for this week's show. We did it. This is the first one. This is really cool. This was honestly, I really, really had a lot of fun doing this and throwing this together. Uh, We'll be back next week with another round of reviews, and hopefully this one will get to you a little sooner. Until then, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and while you're at it, go over there and follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Ben Davis Pod or at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I post things from time to time. Anyways, guys, till next time, stay classy. <laughs>